Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A liberal government will also do what the Harper conservatives ought to have said years ago. We will not buy the F-35 fighter jet. I believe I heard the word never in there somewhere from uh, the Prime Minister in 2015. I think the word never appeared there. Now, if he'd gone ahead and followed through on the purchase in 2015 of the F-35s that had been been agreed to by the Harper government, initiated by Mr. Chrétien, three-term Liberal member of Parliament and Prime Minister, more than three terms as an MP. He was, a, he was, he was the finance minister for Pierre Trudeau. Anyway, if uh, Justin Trudeau had gone ahead with the F-35s in 2015, we would be spending a lot less money. We'd have the things uh, available to us now instead of, and I'm not knocking the CF-18. It was a great plane in its day, but it's not any longer. It's a museum piece. If it went up against today's jet fighters, well, it wouldn't have a chance, nor with our pilots. And we cannot attract uh, fighter pilots if you're going to tell them they're going to have to fly museum pieces. I mean, that the F-18 may be okay in a Tom Cruise sequel, but in real life, not so much. So they've now said they'll go ahead and buy the F-35 at a massively increased cost. This follows the announcement of surface ships for the RCN, the Royal Canadian Navy, and the spending of $400 million to purchase a missile defense system from the U.S. for Ukraine. By the way, Canada's military has had no such missile system. I, I don't know if ever, but certainly not for a long, long time. And the announced purchase of the F-35 fighter planes to replace the CF-18s and the 15 warships, the frigates for the Royal Canadian Navy, is running into complaints of too much spending. This happens every time. We could buy pea shooters. For the, for the CAF, and somebody would stand up somewhere in the country and say, pea shooters have gotten to be too expensive, can't afford the ammunition. I, I don't know why we do that. It's a massive country. We have a tremendous amount of territory. We have uh, defense obligations, and, and our allies remind us of this on a constant basis. We have signed a NATO agreement that we're going to spend a certain percentage of GDP to supply our military, and we've fallen short time and time again. That's just the reality of the situation. But this is what we do. We complain about taking care of our military. My guest, uh, it's because of Vice Admiral Mark Norman that we have a supply ship for the Royal Canadian Navy. The Admiral went ahead and made sure that happened. He got the supply ship, got it on time, got it in on budget, which seemed to upset the current federal government. They didn't like that. And, and without the supply, supply ship, without the asterisk, asterisk the, um, the, the Royal Canadian Navy would be a, a coastal defense force because you can't head out to sea without a supply ship. I'm saying that as a former ordinary seaman standard in the Royal Canadian Naval Reserve, which is the lowest rank in the Navy, and I fought very hard to stay there. But joining us is Vice Admiral Mark Norman, former commander of the RCN, the Royal Canadian Navy, former Vice Chief of the Defense Staff, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, and Samuel Associate Senior Defense Analyst. Admiral Norman, it's always an honor to speak with you. How are you, sir? I am very well. Ordinary Seaman Green, thank you very much. (laughs) And uh, all the best for 2023 to you and your listeners. Thank you, sir, and the very best to you as well. Um, I I think you started as an Ordinary Seaman, didn't you? 
I did. A long time ago, yes, I did. I started as a mechanic and uh, no regrets. Enjoyed uh, almost 40 years uh, of service. Yeah, thank so you, you for your service. You've, you've laid out an interesting problem there today that I assume we're going to talk about. Well, why don't we why don't we start uh, with the federal government's announcing concerning the purchase of the F-35 fighter jets. This after Mr. Trudeau ridiculed such a purchase while running for PM in 2015. Isn't it true that the F-35 total purchase price would have been significantly lower and we'd have the jets in service today had we moved ahead then? Uh, well, yes and yes. Um, and I think there's an important lesson here, um, not not that the lesson may be actually learned uh, by those who choose to get into politics, but uh, when you make great sweeping statements like that, uh, you want to be very careful uh, that you actually have all the facts before you start uh, making promises that you can't deliver on. Anyway, the bottom line here is this is good news for Canada, notwithstanding the fact that it's now 10 years uh, later than it should be, and we're still going to have to wait another almost 10 years until we get uh, a useful number of these aircraft, but it's the right decision. Uh, it's the right aircraft. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, w- we can move forward. And I would like to believe that we can learn some lessons from this, but unfortunately, I'm not convinced we will. That's very unfortunate because it's been an ongoing issue. Proper procurement of uh, equipment for the Canadian Armed Forces has been an issue for. For, for, for decades, it's not just this government, it's been previous governments as well, although this government is starring in that particular role. Admiral, the F-35, what does it bring to the equation? What does it bring to, to, to Canada? How does it help us defend ourselves? Because looking at this fractious world, God knows we may have to do that one day. We've had to do it in the past. And it also satisfies, does, does it not to a certain extent, our allies, and they now feel we have a more serious intent to protect ourselves and to fulfill our our. Our, our treaty obligations. Yeah, so a couple of quick answers. As it relates to the aircraft itself, what it gives Canada is uh, truly a state-of-the-art um, fifth-generation uh, aircraft that is quite versatile. Uh, it can be employed in a, in a number of different roles. But most importantly, uh, as it relates to uh, the NORAD uh, Defense of North America arrangement that we're part of, uh, it, it, it is primarily an air defense uh, aircraft that that can cover um, the vast uh, reaches of um, the air defense requirements of North America in support of the United States. Uh, the other thing it gives us is um, a very very um, technology uh, enabled aircraft that is more than just an airplane. It is uh, in in simple terms, uh, it is a sophisticated extension of the sensor network, uh, both land-based radars, uh, air-based, space-based uh, capabilities. So the aircraft operates uh, not just as a uh, an individual aircraft, but it operates as part of a bigger integrated uh, air defense capability for North America. And I think the last thing relates to your point about um, demonstrating our, our, our commitment, albeit um, challenging at times, that, that we are actually going to make uh, the right commitments. But it's also uh, an aircraft that's uh, been purchased by a number of allies, not just the United States. So it puts us uh, in a very good position as it relates to the long-term supportability of this aircraft because we're buying something that uh, many of our closest friends and allies are also operating. Uh, so, so that means that we'll be able to keep this thing flying um, uh, for quite some time. 
And it also helps the economy because it creates jobs and it has a, I mean, it's an important part of our, our overall um, national identity. Uh, Admiral, though, and I mentioned this at the beginning, you know this far better than I, you were, you were, you were caught up in, uh, in, 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 in this whole bureaucratic situation as you were serving in our military, but criticism of spending on the Canadian military is endemic in this country. New ships for the Royal Canadian Navy, absolutely necessary. But here we are, we're hearing the criticisms. It's too expensive. It's going to cost $306 billion potentially over the 65-year lifespan of these frigates. Um, how frustrating is it for you to hear this? And what's the counterposition that needs to be heard? Yeah, so um, it's a, a really good uh, question. It's frustrating for me, but I think it's frustrating for those Canadians, uh, perhaps your listeners, who are actually um, interested in paying attention to these things because the numbers themselves are staggering. They almost uh, are so enormous now that, that, that they're hard to get your head around. Um, and that, I think, in and of itself is, is frustrating. And I don't think that um, the government and officials are, are doing a good enough job of explaining what this really means. You made a comment earlier about, you know, the value for Canada. And it's not just about buying a widget or a big shiny object, as I call them. It's about building the industrial capacity to actually build these things, uh, in, in particular as it relates to the ships, but even the aircraft. I mean, there are components of the F-35 which are built in Canada, and they will be built in Canada for the life of that aircraft. But to the, to the issue of, you know, the spending, um, and there's, to me, there's there's kind of a couple of different conflicting views on this, and, and you've laid them out. Um, if, if people are not inclined to want to spend on defense, I, it's a very difficult argument to make um, if you can't convince people that their way of life, their physical security, or their interests strategically are being threatened. Um, why do we need to, to spend money on defense? And that's a whole argument. And then the question becomes, well, how much is enough? And Canada has always, behind closed doors, played this game. Um, well, how much is enough is basically just enough to make the Americans and our other allies believe that we're actually committed to this. And most of the major purchases we've made, certainly in my lifetime and, and for the history of the armed forces that I've studied, have been in what I would describe as a bit of a crisis. So we, we hang on to things too long. We wait too long. We then have a crisis of some sort, and then we have to replace them, and they cost a lot of money. Um, and the reality is they are costing a lot of money. But when you look at something over the life of 65 years, I would argue most, most of your listeners probably wouldn't buy a car these days uh, if they looked at the cost of owning a car over 65 years. Um, that, that number in and of itself would be eye-watering, and most of them would, would, would run away in tears. And that's the kind of sensationalism that we're witnessing um, as it relates to a lot of these conversations. Yeah. Admiral Norman, so Canada is now purchasing from the United States National Advanced Surface to Air Missile Systems. It's $406 million. First question I have, have is why don't we have them? And why can't we give them one of ours? Well, we can't because we don't have them. Haven't had them for, I don't know if we've ever had one. Am I correct about that? And what's your sense of, 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 of the correctness of going ahead with this purchase? Yeah, so your, uh, your first question, uh, have we ever had anything like this? The short answer is not really. Um, the last sort of army 
uh, field air defense capability Canada had uh, was ADATS, kind of 1980s technology, 1990s, uh, taken out of service, hung around for a long time, short range, and not particularly effective, certainly not in a modern uh, warfighting context. This is a this is a state of the art capability, um, absolutely the right kind of thing uh, for um, for Ukraine. Uh, a number of our closest uh, and uh, best allies are, are using this system, and yes, it's exactly the kind of system uh, Canada should have. Um, sort of short to medium range, out to about sixty kilometers, depending on the version. Um, totally. Um, as I said, uh, high tech and uh, and very lethal, and it'll provide great support for the Ukrainian forces against Russian helicopters, uh, fast aircraft, and and uh, in particular some of the UAVs uh, that are becoming far more uh, prominent in in that conflict. Uh, why we don't have it? Well, um, quite simply, I, I would suggest it's uh, it's just a sense of national will. Um, the the uh, the list of things that Canada's armed forces needs um, is much longer than uh, the uh, willingness to actually buy them. Um, by the time a project gets to approval, it's already been um, whittled down to what is basically a uh, a small nub of what we should have. Um, I think there's an irony in the fact that uh, we're able to go out and buy this as a sole source purchase um, in the, in for all the right reasons. And I, I think this is absolutely the right thing for Canada to be doing, and I actually commend the government for doing it. But um, it is ironic that we can't get a system like this for our own armed forces. We have uh, a battle group deployed in Latvia. They should have a system exactly like this, uh, but they don't. They're depending on allies. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this is just a sad um, reflection of uh, how the armed forces uh, in Canada are, are neglected. Uh, and there's no there's no other way to say it. And um, it's uh, it's systemic and, and it's uh, generational. And uh, I don't know how uh, we're going to change this, but uh, I appreciate your ongoing concern. Well, uh, Admiral, when we hear concerns about the military being understaffed, not enough soldiers, not enough sailors, not enough airmen and women, um, one of the reasons is we don't provide them with what they require. We don't We don't also honor our military as we should. We don't recognize the job they do for all of us and their willingness to sacrifice their own lives for all of us. And, and Admiral, we have about uh, 90 seconds. Please remind us, we live in a world that is unstable now, and we may need this equipment, and we may need the men and the women of the Canadian military to defend this nation. It's a huge place. Well, it is, and and you and I have talked about this frequently, and whether, you know, uh, Canadians can accept the premise that um, the, the, the physical frontiers of Canada may or may not be threatened, um, it goes much deeper than that, and it, this is, this is a, a broader strategic issue where it's not just our physical um, sovereignty that may or may not be threatened, then it is threatened. Uh, Russia, China on, on the rise, but it's our way of life and it's our national interests that are continuously under siege. And um, I, I am genuinely concerned that uh, in the not too far distant future, 
beyond what we're seeing in Ukraine, um, that uh, what we have grown to uh, enjoy and, and benefit from as a Western uh, developed and advanced economy um, is going to come under attack. Um, and, and we need to be ready. And we're not. And uh, we're not for a variety of reasons that you've laid out. And, and I think this should be uh, of concern. And I realize that there's a lot of things for Canadians to be concerned about. And, and those are legitimate issues. But fundamentally, uh, keeping uh, our nation secure and our allies and, and our way of life secure, I think, is probably job one for any responsible government. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.